0: Exciting event this <laughs>
1: evening. We have
0: poetry tonight rings through. Lauren Gilmore lives in Spokane, Washington. Her work has appeared in Riverlet, The Wire Trap, and um, Seattle's Float and Bridge Review Number 7. And 2013, well, I knew about this. You were the <laughs> youngest poet to win the Spokane Poetry Slam, uh yearly Grand Slam, and qualifying for the Nationals and World Poetry Slam. Though sidelined because of your youth, um, you travel with the team To the Nationals Acting as a coach And was spotlighted Performer For the Individual Word Poetry Slam's Final stage Later that year She is the 2014 Recipient of the This is cool Richard Ball's. How do you pronounce That name You know Every time It just Ball just doesn't Have an asty Behind it As far as I'm concerned <laughs> Richard Ball's the award of p- For poetry She writes poems stories, love letters. I like this, an excessive amount of question marks. Lauren (laughs) Gilmore.
1: Hello, thank you all for being here. We got here yesterday and we went to the kitchen sessions and so far everyone in Bellingham has just been super nice to us. So thank you very much. Um, I'm gonna start with a poem that I wrote Um, I went to the Sasquatch Music Festival last year, and I really didn't know that you could be so lonely when you're surrounded by so many people all of the time. But I got really sad there, so I wrote this poem, and it's it's about a conversation I had with the sun as I was getting sunburned, and it is called My Only Sunshine. Our freckles are just kisses the sun left behind. They are tiny pieces of her golden glow she will never get back. Before I met this boy who laughs as he assures me the clusters across his cheekbones are probably just acne, I too pressed my lips to bodies and bottles that couldn't hold me tight enough to keep my bones from sleep rattling into each other. I fell in love daily, four times before breakfast. It is the most beautiful method of forgetting yourself. So I smiled at strangers, noticed the looks they gave their shoelaces at bus stops and empty diner booths, I begged them to open their hands to me. As if giving something away could somehow make me whole. The sun falls on everything equally. Is there anything lonelier than this? Arms-length mixture of admiration and fear. She does not love herself, so she lights up all the rest of us settles for guarded eye contact through glass lenses thicker than the sky looks without her. By 6 a.m., she is slitting her wrists against our half-drawn blinds and calling it a morning. At noon, she fits perfectly beneath my thumb. I imagine I am holding her up. I tell her I do not love myself either. I spend too much time thinking of what will happen if he leaves me, if I'll keep setting in the east. End up in one of those big cities Where no one looks at each other And smog chokes the clouds She tells me how much she envies Our artificial bulbs Those who can flirt with destruction Then get to burn out eventually Without the freezing over of an entire planet On their conscience Guilt, she says, will trick you into life If you let it, so I do But is there anything lonelier than this stage? Everywhere I go feels like standing in the middle of a screaming football stadium, and the game has gone out of my heart. At night, she keeps us alive unintentionally. We breathe with our eyes closed in her loosened, lukewarm grip. I wake up with his arms around me. My face inches from the wall. He says he loves me. I ask why. For the sound of rain rolling from the roof The sun hears our voices rising like choir Come out again today Oh, pretty little sunshine, please get out of bed today She asks why She's the only one who cannot feel her warmth Says maybe you'd be better off without me After all, when I set, only your shadows can burn So I had a set list And then I kind of changed it last minute So this is a poem I'm pretty sure I know all of the words too, And I hope Um, (laughs) It's a poem from the perspective of some glass That I saw on the sidewalk And it is called Reflections by Shards of Glass on the Sidewalk It took an oven heated to 4,000 degrees To form us from a handful of sand We would have broken at any temperature Here on the sidewalk We grind up under your bicycle tires, Flatten with the swinging of heavy footsteps Falling over us like hammers. You don't always look at us, At least not the way you did when we were your mirrors, Held to eye level like picture frames of vanity. Some of us were the tight-necked bottles You worshipped from bar stools And only kissed when the music was loud. We once stood as twelve-foot-tall Stained depictions of Mother Mary Climbing up the sides Of your triangle churches We watched you enter In gowns full as the bottoms Of wedding bells Saw the roses wither in your arms The uncaged doves lift As a band of crows From the telephone pole While you left always To the same slow procession Of organ chords We could only cry when it rained Though we begged the sun to crack us along our spines She kept rising through our chests instead Spilling color across the empty pews When you are accustomed to choking on dust It is easy to forget that the light can illuminate anything else But listen, you were the rolled down car windows On those summer feverish nights of your youth When you shouted song lyrics through us Loud enough to wake the mailboxes lining your suburban streets the glass dome over every snow globe you shook until your eyes sparkled like childhood. We have to believe the most fragile things are not only precious to us because they break and can be put back together, we are not waiting for anyone to fix this. Maybe all we will ever see are the undersides of skateboards, red bricks crumbling in an alleyway. Some of us have already forgotten what shapes we once held. Before, we were anything you showed us how to be. But now, when the city blinks itself off and the streets clear like lenses, we can look at the stars without struggling to see ourselves in them. So another thing that happened at the kitchen sessions is I got really inspired to read some shorter, um, more page-oriented pieces in the set. So I'm going to do a few of those, and then do some other ones, and then do a few more of those. So this I've been um going to a community college in Spokane recently, and I've just noticed that it's kind of weird... Like, everyone seems really sort of apathetic, and there just seems to be this strange disconnect with the people. So I wrote this poem, and it's called Community College. I don't know what it is about this place, but on the walk through campus from Building 7, where I take two separate yoga classes in the same day to my car, parked in the only spot marked with stones like a grave, there is a clock without hands, and I think that about sums it up. I don't know what it is about pain, but three weeks ago I listened to Sherman Alexie say a few of his poems. Before he went on stage, students from the Salish school read their stories off note cards. One girl was talking about her mother's alcoholism. About halfway through she stopped and ran behind the curtain, and the audience only stared, and I think that about sums it up. I don't know much about anything, but it is the last day of May, and I am allergic to the air. I am in love and lonely, home and homesick, restless and exhausted. Some people are clocks without hands. There is nothing pointing us toward north. No one to set us forward or adjust to the seasonal shifts. You can wind us up all you want. We do not always come here to chime. this poem is called not enough this morning i drove past a car accident on the way to school smoke still coming up from the two engine claws torn apart from their kiss so fast they called it a mistake and i slowed way down to see if anyone was crying what shapes the twisted metal was making Sometimes I worry the vertigo of staring at one crash while walking toward another will catch up to me. I am always floating to doors on the ends of long hallways, turning round and round like corkscrews in front of me. And the therapist asks me why I don't kill myself, and I tell her about the love, but not the fear, because I don't know which is stronger anymore. And she nods, asks how I'm sleeping. I wake up an hour before my alarm goes off. Turn over to face the wall. I climb the stairs and look out over the sink, past the petals of withering flowers given to me on Valentine's Day. Think about tiny insects crawling across the leaves. Not enough, I say. So I have one more shortest poem, then going to go back to some more longer ones. This is called Depression. It is a stray animal, clings to your ankles, following you around the kitchen, it is always expecting your scraps. You don't notice it until you try to take a step one way and find its tail is there, tripping you up, or pulling you in another direction. So it was really only a partial lie, when he looked down at my wrist, saw the fading marks across the skin, asked if I had been attacked by a cat, and without so much as flinching, I answered, yes. so I have some chat books I'm selling um, each of them are $5 this one um, so I'm about to do two poems and the first one is in this pink book and the second one is in this one and the cool thing about this book is that the cover is a solvable maze <laughs> so that's <laughs> what you're buying <laughs> so we get these books we can write on
0: them.
1: yeah of course yeah definitely solve the maze, that's why I made it (laughs) Um, yes I did I I get really bored in school (laughs) Um, or you could use a pencil and then you can erase and then try again Um, I don't know actually (laughs) I guess you'll find out Um, this poem is called Lucy Lucy's window faces a brick wall And she lives on the eighth floor, the nurses, circling in every quarter hour with clipboards and pills. Keep it locked. They all have these big, young eyes, and even younger names. Heather, Emily, Katie. Snapping gum in the backs of their mouths, they give Lucy new names, too. Sweetie, honey, dear. Lucy doesn't mind. She does the same thing to the seagulls outside, as she tosses down slices of Wonder Bread. Twice a week, the nurses wheel her down the hall to a room with a pool table. In the corner, a record player recites lyrics Lucy used to sing, leaned up against a jukebox, blonde hair brushing just past her shoulders. Now, even the titles are fading, worn out as dates on the backs of dirty nickels. Lucy has holes in her pockets, change keeps slipping through them. Her husband, Victor, once hummed this song into her ear while they half-waltzed around the refrigerator, bodies pinned together at the chest. A prima ballerina in the safety of her own kitchen, Lucy always hoped for lights brighter than the glow from the oven. Victor was a good love to her for 75 years. Even as she stopped recognizing him, he kept visiting, but when the nurses said it would be best not to upset her, Victor agreed be best to remember only the music. As a gift, he left behind a jewelry box, showed her how winding it up made the small dancer inside turn. She liked it. Name's Lucy, he said, and she nodded. I know that, she said. I know. The nurses let her keep it. Most of the time it's quiet, the lid closed, and they wheel her back to the empty bedroom, lean her head against a pillow. But Lucy doesn't dream she sleeps eight hours a night her mind just can't hold onto images for that long anymore what with all the spinning see when the lights go out and the heathers and emily's and Katy's are gone lucy pirouettes over the bedsheets welding her feet into knives soon they will be sharp enough carve her outline like chalk eight stories away where the concrete is a clear reflection of the sky opening and closing under the footsteps of strangers. But not today. Today Lucy wakes to the sound of birds and smiles. She knows they'll still fly in a V long after it stops standing for anything. so this next poem can be read if you buy a maze it's in that one and it is called A Chess Player's Guide to Defeating Yourself Step 1 Begin each day by playing against an iMac set to expert difficulty nod in fake pensiveness as a sterile robot tone says rook to e4 pretend to understand what that even means put up a fight despite knowing you will lose Briefly ponder whether this silly desktop game is a metaphor for your entire life before quickly closing the window mid-loss. Step 2. Try once again to convince yourself your prayers are something other than pawns. Inflate their significance until you genuinely believe they move forward two squares at a time from urgency, not just the desire to leave you as fast as they can. Step 3. Allow your heartbreaks to disguise themselves as queens, tyrants threatening to shatter the entire black and white tiled board. Let them consume you and attack from all directions. Step four. Send out slanted smiles at bishop angles toward a lover you know will push them open with his tongue only to better whisper in farewells, a language in which you must become fluent. Step five. When the old man who taught you to play chess Receives diagnosis of a terminal lung disease Do not consider this checkmate Take his hand Count the reflex squeezes Imagine them as Morse code Notice how his breaths become carved out Deliberate and irregular Like the L-shaped paths of the knights you remember calling horsies. Kid yourself into believing any one of us Is a worthy opponent for the militias of time. Step 6. Spend afternoons around his deathbed. Watch every last heave of his chest, One after another, surrender to the fall of a king. As his fingers go limp in your palm, Knocking over the remaining pieces, do not ask yourself if you are surprised. It is not for the chess piece to decide if the game was ever completely worth it. Okay, I have um, a couple short ones and then one final poem, and then we can... Is there more open mic? And then you'll hear more poems, so stick around. (laughs) This poem is called Plastic Cups. At the funeral, everyone says, We have got to stop meeting like this. And I nod, and I'm still dizzy, Even with the plastic cup of orange punch My mom said would help, and my love on my arm, Which everyone always says will help. All of his colleagues are here, every realtor in town. But his children aren't selling the vacant house of his body, not yet. It'll be cremated later, scattered into a landscape. His baby grandson doesn't know he should be crying and instead is sitting down to crawl up the stairs. A flat screen television looping through photos. Everyone talking over each other, radios tuned to different stations. I can't tell which of these people are relatives and which are just tourists here. Trays of croissants, dips, almonds. Tall men in suits, women in heels. The room is full. It is the nature of life to end. This poem is called Rats in the Rafters. I was going through a period of trying to write some form poems. Most of them didn't really work, but I felt like it was interesting to just go into that and I felt like it gives you more sense of control over language in a way, even though I don't think I... (coughs) I'll probably need to spend more time on it to understand all of it, but this is Rats in the Rafters My love, my love The rats are coming back They whisper to the shadows of my skin, oh fragile fragile girl, it's light you lack All these porcelain bulbs will soon go black And though they know the places I have been my love My love, the rats are coming back To board this marble house, a rusted shack Their mirrored voices pour past walls too thin O fragile, fragile girl, it's time you lack Between my body and its clothes they stack up songs And how their dusty records spin, my love My love, the rats are coming back To sink their teeth into my spine And rack my mind until it gives up all the wind Oh, fragile, fragile girl, it's fight you lack. So tell us why your scratching hands attack yourself, oh, little girl. Hold tight my chin, my love, my love. The rats are coming back. Fragile, fragile girl, it's life you lack. That was a Villanelle. It's a good, it's a good pursuit. (laughs) Um, So I have one more poem and you can actually buy it in these, I've made some of these little books and they just have one poem and they're all handwritten. And so I really hope you can read all of the words because my hand started getting really tired, but I have some of those for a dollar and um, it's called Not Another Grief Poem. And where it came from is um I was getting to a point where I just kept writing about grief and I was thinking, like, maybe I should stop because people would get bored of reading them. And then I really thought about it, and I would never tell anyone else that they should stop writing about something that they feel they need to keep writing about. So I've made a pact to not tell that to myself. So in light of that, this is not another grief poem. And you can have it in your pocket for a dollar. I don't know if that's going to help anyone, but it seems like sometimes when you're in, like, fresh grief having something you can hold onto of someone who's, like, is coming from a similar place can be helpful, so. That's Thank you all so much for sticking around. This has been great. Yeah. <laughs> The dead do not sleep soundly here Like candles melting in the middle of the day Or garden hoses left running in the rain I haven't visited a grave in months So the holes have started coming to me To grieve is to spend years leveling a ditch With shovels full of nothing We keep digging because we must and every song of redemption seems to echo Across the same hollow chords we dig when decorations in cemeteries start making the headstones look bigger we dig because our initials may be carved in granite before we learn to trust the bark of a tree to keep them chained to a lover's we dig bags out from under our eyes six feet and only getting deeper because the dead do not sleep soundly here so neither do we got this rustling in my closet, like restless suit coats or nooses. When I try to open the door a crack, its knob comes loose in my hand, like ashes tipped from an urn into the shape of my father. He is standing in the doorway. In his arms he carries artifacts. Grandma Rain's turtle brooches, grandfather's frisbees, Uncle Chuck's adjustable baseball caps, Nana's yellow bird, Papa's dog tags, the locket my sister wears around her neck, a piece of hair from a baby girl clamped tight inside. And he is leaving, and I can't keep up with his strides. Otherwise, I'd leave this all behind in a heartbeat. Find my family and ask why. In the nightmares, I watch them die again in slow motion I'm the only one still fighting but the dead do not sleep soundly here so I tear pages from the scalps of notebooks for not letting the past lay flat and quiet as bones I write not another grief poem pulled like flagged rope from a magician's crooked teeth I'm seventeen years old and already the soil is reaching up at my ankles so I run faster Forget the hymns of what is fair and what is wrong Of those I've loved and all I've lost But I will never go far enough To shake my own shadow See the living We don't always wake up alive Sometimes we hover Shovels in our arms And like autopilot We dig and dig and dig Somehow Working in rows beneath that heavy Prison shackle of a sun our lips lift. And we can bring ourselves to whistle. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you. want to write about something,
1: you be honest. you want to write about something, so so now, it's in the house. you want to write about something, you want to write about something, it's in the house.
0: If you want to write about something, you want to write about something, write about something write about something
1: If you want to write about something, if you want to write about something. It is done.